This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, welcome to another edition, everyone. It's Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. And boy, am I lucky today because I've got a real journalist on here. I try to be a fake one for many years in the world of tennis and in sports broadcasting, but we've got a real pro here today. That's Nora O'Donnell, who hosts the CBS Evening News. Nora, Thank you so much for joining me in what I know is a very, very busy time for you right now. Yeah, it's just, um, it's the, the Super Bowl of elections this year, 2020. And so uh, it's been busy, but thank you for having me. I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. Well, thank you so much. Um, so obviously you've got your hands full in the next couple of weeks, but we appreciate you making a little time to talk uh, about your interest in tennis. Obviously you've been working as a journalist for, for many years. You started with um, NBC. Well, actually you started working for what was called Roll Call, right? What was that? Was that, a, was that as a writer or as a, on an on-air personality? What was that uh, job description? Yeah, I went to, to Georgetown University and, um, and as a result, you know, got interested in politics. And so my first job was writing for Roll Call newspaper, which mm-hmm. covers uh, Capitol Hill. And then um, that was kind of really the beginning of cable news. That was around um, 1996 to 1998. And, you know, CNN was just becoming prominent then. MSNBC had just sort of started. And so I started appearing on some of the you know, programs, some of the, the reporting I was doing. That was during actually Bill Clinton's impeachment mm. and, and then got offers from the networks to come on as a correspondent. So I became a correspondent at NBC News at 25 years old, I think one of the youngest correspondents in, in broadcast history, and then spent um, about 12 years there and then was hired by CBS and hosted CBS This Morning. And, and now I'm anchoring the CBS Evening News. Which is awesome, and uh, of course, not not too many women have been able to do that, and you're you're one of the few as, as you followed in some incredible footsteps. So it's been about a little over a year that you've been doing that. So that must be a nice change from the early early mornings, especially as I know you have you have twins like me. By the way, I have twins about the same age. Are yours twelve now or thirteen? My twins, my twins are thirteen, okay. and then just a year after having the twins, I had a third child. Oh my so goodness. I had. I had um, uh, three kids in, in 13 and a half months. Uh, my husband, who I met at, at Georgetown one time, we went back to talk to some of the, the senior class, and he said to the senior class, he said, I had three kids in 13 months, all with the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> so forget about I- a little more than Irish twins, right? That's right. Yeah, well, like Irish triplets. But it... But it um, it makes good. It makes a good five some, you know, for for golf, and uh, and it certainly makes you know we can do an easy pickup of doubles, even if one of them uh, has to serve or you know be the uh, be the person, the ball girl, the ball boy. Right, you can rotate. You can rotate them out. My twins are about to be uh, twelve. They're they're both girls, and then I have an older daughter who's fourteen. So so my wife uh, carried the single child first. And then the twin. Yep. So after being around for those last few months, especially when she was carrying the twins, to think that you carried the twins for those those last three four months are, as I remember, brutal. Um, and brutal. then and then another one a year after thirteen months later. That's that's a heck of an effort. You 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 must be pretty darn good in the tennis court to be able to do that too. You know, I can remember. I mean, I played sports my entire life, and but I can remember carrying the twins and at the end of the day I could remember my calves like pulsing and in pain in a way that I've never felt from running cross country playing tennis or anything like that just carrying around 
you know, which was, I think I gained like 38 pounds, just carrying that around all day was mm-hmm. a kind of uh, m- muscular pain that I had never known before. All right. So tell me about your interest in tennis, because I know you still play. Uh, you say you like to play if you can on the weekends, but uh, you were very athletic as a kid and you grew up in a couple of different places. You, uh, you, you call yourself an army brat, like your dad was uh, serving in the army. So you ended up uh, all over the place, including overseas for some time. So when was it that you first got interested and started playing tennis? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up mostly in San Antonio, Texas, and um, but we did two deployments to Seoul, South Korea, and also to Longstool, Germany. So I really just paid a lot of uh, pickup tennis with my brothers. Um, I never played on the school team. You know, I would go out and, you know, hit the ball against the garage door. Mm. But it really wasn't until college. And, you know, if I could play tennis, but I certainly was not a skilled tennis You weren't player. a competitive um, player as a kid. No, not, oh. not at all. No, 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 no. I ran, I ran track and cross country, and I was a gymnast. Mm-hmm. And um, so... I really kind of took it up more in, a, in adulthood playing with my husband, who's pretty good at a bunch of junk shots. Mm-hmm. He usually wins just because he knows he can put a lot of spin on a ball. Does he and- put those little, dra- <laughs> those little drop shots? When the, you have the club, oh, yeah. the club players that play those drop shots are nasty. You know, that's just not yeah. right. So, yeah. So he's, he's good at a lot of junk like that. Um, so I, you know, played with him. And then really, I would probably say in the last 10 to 15 years, you know, being able to join a club and mm-hmm. it's really being, you know, the social aspect of tennis is what I, what I really enjoy. So now when I can, I take a lesson twice a week when I'm on vacation in the summer, I play every single day. Sometimes wow. the, there were, there were a couple of times this summer that I played five hours a day. Are you serious? Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and may, may, may I ask where you summer? Cause where, where do you, where do you play in the summers? Well, um, so uh, Fisher's Island, New York, okay. which is a small sure. little, yep. And there, and there are two uh, clubs there, uh, the Hay Harbor Club and the Fisher's Island Club, and both have very good tennis programs. A lot of the people there played tennis in, in college, and so it's very competitive. And so while I don't play matches, right. we, play, we play a game called 105. Okay, so what's that? There's, well, oh, you've never played 105? No, I've never played. By the way, don't tell my wife, okay, but I did, my college girlfriend used to go to, had a, a place in Fisher's Island, so I have been there couple of times but that oh, was way back that was my, that was my college girlfriend you, from from uh, Stanford did you play tennis while you were there uh I think I tried to avoid it okay, at that yeah, point right. it was a long time ago I was probably in my early it was like yeah. right after I maybe I was still in college or maybe been right after I got out of college but anyway tell me about 105 I'm intrigued by this so I guess a couple of years ago somebody brought this from their club in Texas and it's now just become the rage. We just do it. That's I'm, that's why I end up playing is because you should play an hour and a half or two hours per game. And so if you play in the morning and then you might play another at match in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's it's a fun, fast paced doubles game that essentially um incentivizes aggressive play. So you have three or four people on each side. You rotate in if you lose the point. Okay. It's one point for just winning the point, five points. Um, for ground stroke winner, mm-hmm. volley ten points, and wow. overhead winner is twenty points. Oh my goodness! And it's the, wow! And it's the first team to one hundred and five oh. win. So you have so there's so, two. So you're playing regular doubles points, but then you have other people ready to rotate in. Is exactly, that, okay. and then the pro is feeding the pro feeds the ball to the winner of the point. And it's nice because you can play with people of multiple right. um, different different levels, levels of tennis. Right. Yeah, now, I mean, now a, I don't, a, I don't I mean, consider I, myself that good a player, but I mean, I'm, I'm a good athlete, so I've right. been able to play up, you know, mm-hmm. if you just get aggressive. 
Well, as I know at our tennis academy here that I run with my brother, the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. So I'm, I'm, when I'm not uh, broadcasting for ESPN on TV, I spend most of my time. In fact, when we're done with this podcast, you'll be off to host the CBS Evening News, and I'll be off to uh, play with kids at our tennis academy. But the, I want to hear more about this 105 because this will be this will be a good game for our kids oh. too. Because so the, so does the pro who's teaching? Does he stand on the side to feed the ball in or in the back? On the side, on the yeah, side. right by okay. the net. Right by the net. Yeah, okay. and you, yeah, and you feed it in, and it, and if you have better players, they say you know make the feed more aggressive. Right, you can always you can always control the feed based on the level of the player. Right. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's an hour and a half of cardio tennis, and you're usually I mean usually have let's say you've got you have thirty two players that signed up in the morning in a pretty small club. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty small club, and it's men and women. And by that hour and a half, you are just drenched mm-hmm. in sweat. Right. And um, so, um, you know, and the kids play it too. Like my kids get up every morning. I mean, the, and they put on their whites and they play tennis all day and they play 105. And then, of course, they do some skill development right. um, later. But everybody loves 105. I mean, it's just great. And yeah. I think that it's improved. One, I was not, I would say I could, you know, I was not as good at the net. And now right. I'm spending my lessons working on volleys and weight transfer and overheads and just spin on the ball. So kind of learning to play a different kind of tennis. That's amazing. All right. So let me get this straight. So 10 points for a ground stroke winner, uh, 20 points for if you finish it at the net with a, does it have to be a winner or you just win the point with a volley? So in other words, the opponent could just miss the shot or does it have to be a winner? It has to be a winner. You can't touch the ball. Oh, okay. so let's can't say touch I hit a great overhead. But you, but hit, you, you hit it right to me. Right, right, right. Okay, so that incentivizes yeah. the other team to, you know, go for every shot, which I like. Which would be, this would be great for kid. And then 20 points if you hit an overhead winner, which as we know. I mean, serve, I find, Nora, that teaching the serve to, not beginners, but, you know, young kids or adults maybe that have been playing a long time that do like a frying pan serve, for example, like trying to reteach them how to actually serve properly is probably the most mm-hmm. difficult shot to teach in tennis. How is your serve? Is your, please don't tell me it's like the patty cake frying pan because I'm going to have to come out down to D.C. and give you a lesson if that's the case. <laughs> it's not excellent. It's I'll not say ex- that. It's, right. not the, it's not the patty cake. It's, not it's the a little bit of a – but, but, but the grip's not the proper serving grip, I'm guessing. No, it's the proper grip. And actually, it's improved a lot just because of the overhead working on that right. shot. But I don't, play, I don't play matches. You know what I mean? I'm playing mm-hmm. – um, well, you're playing I, points, but you're, yeah, you're playing points and you're playing, which I can tell yeah. just by talking to you, even for this short period of time that I'm guessing you're pretty competitive. I am competitive. Yes. I am competitive. You don't, yeah, you don't I make do. it, you don't make it in your world of journalism for this many years and make it to the, to the, basically the top being the host of the, of the nightly news without being competitive, I'm guessing. So where did you get that competitive streak? Do you think that tennis and just playing sports? You said you have uh, you grew up. Did you have a, a a bunch of siblings or just brothers or what was that like? I do. I have. Uh, I'm I'm essentially a middle child. I have an older brother and a younger brother, and okay. then I have a sister who came who came ten and a half years is ten and a half years younger than I am. Okay. And um, yeah, so I always played. You know, we played um, soccer growing up. My parents were the coaches. Hmm. Uh, I ran, I ran track, you know, I ran in, I mean, I ran varsity track for four years. Oh, wow. In Texas. In Tex- wow. Texas track is no joke. Uh, Texas that's, track yeah. Is that's, no almost, joke. that's almost as big as Texas football. Yeah. I mean, I ran the 400 and so, uh, which is a really tough that's race. That's the hardest race so, to run. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, although people say the 800 now is, is mm. probably the hardest because that's also a full sprint. So, um, yeah, so I think that it grew from that. And um, so I really, I really admire, um, you know, people who can excel at sports and not just the physical aspect, but also just the mental aspect. And, um, you know, I, I, I take my nutrition seriously. And so, um, you know, that's a lifelong mm-hmm. love of just sports and athleticism. But, um, but um, and I play golf, which is, I think, less athletic, but is certainly more mental. Maybe more. I, I always say golf. I I, I I get in trouble with golf fans and and uh, golf people. I say, well, golf's not really a sport. So, it's a, but but I say it's an <laughs> unbelievably hard game. Like maybe the hardest game to 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 get good at. You know, tennis is is similar in a way because there's so many different shots. You know, there's a serve, which is an overhead swing. There's a forehand. Then you got to go to the backhand. Then you got to do a shorter swing with the volley. Then you have to play a slice. So there's so many variables, and I think golf is is similar in that way. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of tennis players, Nora, get really into golf, particularly when they when they retire. In fact, believe it or not, my brother, who's a as you know, bit of a, a bit of a madman, uh, he's actually mm-hmm. and, and he hated golf for many years because mm-hmm. it was too, you know, he, I guess he couldn't let out all his frustrations. But now he's gotten really into it just in the last few years. And I did a podcast yesterday with uh, Yvonne Lendl, who was one of the all time great great rival of my brother, and mm-hmm. he's a big golfer as well. Which sport do you? Um, I mean, if you What's ha- your brother's handicap, I'm I don't, th- I don't think it's very good. I mean, I think it's, okay. you know, no, it's not like he's, I think he's working on it. It's work in progress, mm-hmm. but it's not single Got digits. It. What's yours? Uh, mine's 18. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think it's pretty, uh, and I take a lesson now, um, you know, say, and, I, and again, I didn't play, I didn't grow up playing golf. You know, mm-hmm. my husband actually taught, taught me how to play golf and, um, and I just really enjoy the social aspect of it. And we, my, you know, my husband is, is, um, really into it. And so we walk the, you know, we walk the course and, um, that's a good six, seven mile walk. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, that's um, good for yeah, it's, it's terrific. And, and now I take a lesson, um, with a really excellent pro at, um, at congressional here in Washington. Mm-hmm. And so, and the kids do too. And I mean, I love it. It's just teaching your body to do a new thing is really hard. You know what I mean? To relearn how to, perfecting a technique, which is also what I'm doing in my tennis lesson right. is it's when you're, I'm 46 years old. Like I sort of, I'm like, how do I retrain my brain to do something? And so I kind of enjoy that challenge. Well, I started doing a lot of, a lot more lessons than I normally do this summer. Cause when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, you know, all of a sudden there was no Wimbledon for me to go to and all the, all the broadcasting things were, were quieting mm-hmm. down. Of course, we just had the U S open and, and the French open mm-hmm. happen, but I saw, and in the club, the, uh, the club that where we have our academy is in the, in the city. So that took a while for that to reopen. So anyway, the, our club has another one out on Long Island. So that opened earlier and I was able to go out there um, and work a bit. And I started teaching a lot more, especially adults. And it's amazing hmm. to me, the, uh, and, and a lot of adults, even in their sixties or seventies. So you talk about, you know, I, I love to see people like you were just talking about wanting to try to do something better you know, even when they're 60, mm-hmm. 70 years old. Um, I find that inspiring because obviously, you know, tennis, I've, I've played my whole life, so I, I know how to hit the tennis ball. But uh, I'm inspired by people that want to do that, and it sounds like you're one of those people. Yeah, and, you know, it's really interesting. Alan Alda came on the show one time when um, I was anchoring CBS This Morning with Gail King, and he talked about how tennis is a great thing to play 
to essentially um, prevent dementia, Parkinson's mm. disease, and, you know, just the firing of the neurons. And that's always kind of just stuck with me. Um, this is a lifelong sport. And there's plenty, as I mentioned, this game 105 that we play. Right. You know, I can run and get a ball. That's not a problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really miss ball. But there's some, you know, there's some women in their 70s and some men in their 70s. They just play the, the net and they demolish everybody. And so that to me is like really encouraging that you can just, it's a sport that you can play for life and just continue to perfect and, and you know, be in your 70s and be uh, an athletic 40-year-old. Well, that's what they say. <laughs> Ten- tennis is a sport of a lifetime and you get those KG veterans, you know, that have, you know, because tennis is a skill-based sport, right? So you need the skill. Obviously, you need the speed to be a high-level player and to play at a, uh, at the professional level. So you, we were texting. Can I ask you a question? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you a question? So what do you think? Do you think that kids should play squash to make them better tennis players or that it helps them or hurts them? Well, squash is um, a great sport. It's very popular where I live up in Westchester County in New York. A lot of people play it mm-hmm. at my local club, squash. Uh, the short answer is no. Because squash yeah. is, a, it's, I mean, it's great for fitness and it's great for quickness. Um, the problem with squash is the swing is totally different. Now, mm-hmm. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting, though. little known fact is that apparently um, Roger Federer, when he was very young, um, he was very into soccer. He played a lot of soccer. In fact, he likely could have been a professional soccer player. But he also played a lot of mm-hmm. badminton. Played a lot of bed, which is which is the same sort of like you know wristy kind of a, an underspin, an, a slice kind of swing, a little bit like squash is. So I think squash um, probably would be good for someone to play when they were very very young um, to help them mm-hmm. with tennis because obviously it's hand eye coordination, it's movement. You know, it's a quicker mm-hmm. type of movement than you need in tennis. It's maybe a little more explosive. It's in a short, a smaller contained environment. Mm-hmm. Tennis, you have a little bit more time. But overall, the swing in squash is so totally different from this, the actual, yeah. you know, the proper swing in tennis. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I had to ask, I had to ask your advice. Well, on you, that. well, you, well, you are a journalist, so let me get, let me ask you a little <laughs> bit about it because I want to just get a little bit. I, I know I don't want to focus on your uh, what's going on in your career, but I do want to ask you just about how different this time is, I mean, you've been through so many elections. You, this is the first time now you're the host. You started as a host just over a year ago in, in July, I believe it was of 2019. So what's, what for you is the most important thing to get across in your 30 minute broadcast every night? Well, you know, I feel really strongly that we need an objective place for journalism where people feel that they can sit down every night and say, you know, this person is playing it right down the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no opinion. They're delivering me the facts and I can make up my own mind about once I get the facts. I mean, we have, um, you know, in the media landscape, there are plenty of channels where you can get an opinion. You know, it's like the editorial page. You get it on Fox. You can get it on MSNBC. Uh, CNBC is now doing that, uh, is going to be doing that in the evening. What we're really doing is, is just telling the story as fairly as possible. You know, um, I have top Republicans who will do 60 minutes interviews with me. And I have, you know, Joe Biden who will do a 60 minutes mm-hmm. interview with me. So they, both sides have to be able to trust me. And so, um, that to me is the most important thing because, you know, I, I'm in the chair that Walter Cronkite sat in, you know, the most trusted man, um, on television. And he said, journalism is what we need to make democracy work. And I believe that we need an informed electorate, um, where people can say, oh, okay, here's an honest broker. That's Nora O'Donnell. I trust her. Mm-hmm. So that's, first and foremost, what we do every night. 
And then we've got to curate a lot of information in a short amount of time. So, you know, we're deciding what's the most important thing and the most urgent thing to tell um, at 6.30. And I just use my skills of, of you know, being a journalist for, for 20 years and the, and the vast resources of, of CBS News uh, to do that. And what is, what is, if you don't mind me asking, what is sort of your normal day like? I know we, we, we got you in here just before. I'm assuming you're, you're on your way to the office. And, but tell me what Nora O'Donnell's day is like preparing for that 30 minutes at 6.30 p.m. Well, a typical day would we, we have a, our first editorial call at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and then there's another editorial call at 3 o'clock. But, for instance, we're covering the Supreme Court hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. So we're in extra early, and that's a long day. You know, mm-hmm. we start at 7 in the morning, and then the broadcast here is at 6.30 at night, and at 7, and then we may do some updates for the West Coast. So those can be longer, longer days when we're, when we're covering, whether it's impeachment hearings or a Supreme Court justice or, or an election or whatever it may be, and that happens every once in a while. But on days when there isn't something like that, I can go take, uh, I try and take a panel session on Wednesdays and Fridays at 8.30 in the morning, and mm-hmm. then I'm done at 9.40, and I can hop on my 10 o'clock call right after the, the, mm. the lesson. Um, and then sometimes on the other days, after my 10 o'clock call, I, I work out um, at home mm-hmm. um, via, via FaceTime with my trainer, um, Kira Stokes, who I've been working out with for probably almost 10 years now. I met her in New York, and we do it via FaceTime. And so I do that two to three times a week. I work out with her. And that's all mobility, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's cardio, but it's all mobility. And I really credit her with being able to go out, like I said, you know, I played in a tournament um, this summer and then played another gaming five hours of tennis without really much pain mm-hmm. at all. And that's just because of, you know, all band work and mobility training. I mean, it's a lot kind of what, um, I don't, it's not what Tom Brady does, but he's a big proponent of band work and mobility and that kind of stuff. Just in, I mean, flexibility, you know, right? right Even right. tennis players, yeah, great, mo- great flexibility. Yeah, mobilization. And I'm just so I'm just so pumped to hear that Nora O'Donnell, when I turn on the evening news, especially Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm going to think, okay, she got her tennis in this morning. That just brings a <laughs> huge smile to my face. You have no idea. Well, I told my, I told the David Parker, who is congressional, and I said, I'm, I'm doing a podcast with Patrick McEnroe. Like, what should I say? <laughs> well, I, you, <laughs> He's like, what? He's yeah, like, you watched the French Open, right? I'm like, not really. I was so busy. I didn't. I watched you on the U.S. Open. I watched you. And I did watch a lot of the U.S. Open because I had time, but I just didn't have any time to watch the French Open. Wait, listen, when you told me, when you texted me, you, you, were, you were funny. You said, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. You know, I said, listen, please, you're <laughs> a professional. Don't worry about it. When you said you didn't watch the French Open, I said, well, you didn't miss much, okay? Because uh, Mr. Nadal just dominated again 13 times. He's won the French Open, and of course, a great story on the women's side with the young Polish teenager who beat uh, the uh, American Sophia Kennan in the final. But uh, Nadal, I'll tell you, we're living we're, we're living in a, an absolutely crazy time in the political world, in your world. Um, but we're living in a in a crazy, you know, positive time with these three greatest players, arguably of all time, all playing essentially throughout most of their prime at the same time. It's just a remarkable. Well, look, longevity, right, right, in any career is underrated. And I was t- talking to my team about this. You know, um, survival is highly underrated. Mm. And how do, you, um, how do you achieve longevity and survival in anything that you do? And so there are different skill sets, um, you know, certainly for athletes and careerists and whatever it may be. But um, 
it's kind of slow and steady. And, um, you know, that's certainly what I do in my own, you know, athletic, you know, endeavors. I try and make sure that I don't get hurt first and foremost. I don't get hurt because I want to be able to do whatever I want to do. And then in my career, it's the same thing. Do no harm. Well, you, um, you're doing more than just surviving, Nora O'Donnell. You are thriving, <laughs> and uh, I will continue to watch you on the CBS Evening News and uh, keep up the great work. And uh, I will, uh, when I make my way down to uh, D.C., which I, which I often do, uh, you know what? I might have to take you and your husband out there and give you guys a little work, work, work you over a little bit on the tennis court. Is that a deal? Oh my God, we would love that. I would love for you to. I'm so proud of you know my kids that they, my little son Henry. They call him Speedy. That's what they call him on the on the on the court. He's he's great. And my older daughter, actually my younger daughter, she's really tall and just has such a powerful stroke. She mm-hmm. doesn't yet have the you know doesn't yet have the passion for it. But she's they take lessons twice a week too. So we'd love that. We'd absolutely love that. Thank you. Well, keep them going. And I guess uh, Speedy got his nickname from or he got his genes from mom. So uh, we'll keep. We'll keep him going. You keep up the great work, and I really appreciate you uh, putting aside some time in your very busy schedule. Nora O'Donnell, thank you so much. Thank you, Patrick. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.